Hey there, this is Emma. Uh, today's episode comes with a trigger warning. Some of the things we're going to discuss will be very heavy and maybe triggering for some viewers. We will be discussing the um, residential schools as well as uh, the bodies of the missing Indigenous children, as well as Canada Day celebrations and whether or not they should be uh, celebrated. We understand that this is a very heavy topic, especially in current times, but that is why we are addressing it. So please, if this topic is triggering for you, uh, join us in two weeks for our next episode instead. With that said, uh, please enjoy the episode. Like a woman 42 weeks pregnant, a book past its due date, or a long needed visit between friends, this is overdue with The Slut and the Prude. A bi-monthly feminist podcast that highlights the beauty of libraries while discussing everything from politics to pop culture and whatever nonsense pops into our heads. Okay. So, we are back again. Back again. <laughs> <laughs> and as Emma mentioned in the... Disclaimer, this will be a very heavy topic. Mm-hmm. Lots of very disturbing and unsettling things to discuss and potentially mm-hmm. triggering, especially for our or any indigenous uh, community, any listeners that are from that mm-hmm. uh, faith or culture, if they identify as such, it could be particularly triggering for them. Um, to start, we do actually have some library news, though. Very exciting library news we did today. Um, if anybody's been listening with us for the past year, they know that we have not been in any libraries mm-hmm. due to lockdown. And as such, it kind of makes it really difficult to highlight the beauty of libraries, as we so say in our opening. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but as of this week, I think of Wednesday, actually, there were a couple of libraries in our area, Hamilton and Oakville specifically, mm-hmm. that actually opened their doors for local browsing and extended periods of visiting times. So that means in the foreseeable future, fingers crossed, things staying the way they do, we Mm -hmm. should be able to visit a library pretty soon and highlight its beauty. This week, however, we have not just due to the kind of like uh, quickness of the opening and scheduling conflicts. Um, But in the foreseeable future should... Things remain the way they do, and we feel comfortable venturing into the new world. Great outdoors. (laughs) The great outdoors, (laughs) new world, whatever you want to call it. We should be able to go out and highlight beauties of libraries once again. So stay tuned, and we will have new pictures and libraries to post relatively soon. Although... Mm -hmm. Instagram has updated their whole algorithm once again, and now they've become a video-based app as opposed to photo-based app, so we may or may not be able to display our beautiful pictures. We may get lost behind all the new videos, 
Mm. Um, we don't know, but uh, stick with us <laughs> if you're following us. And if you're not, please do at overdue.thepodcast at Instagram. That is right. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. And I believe also our Twitter, which is not very active right now, but is also at overdue dot the podcast yes and facebook at overdue and who knows if if you are following us please be patient as we trip and stumble through these changes <laughs> um we're trying our best with just the two of us to run all aspects of our podcast yes. um so we as we move to potentially trying to fit the algorithm and becoming an, a video based uh sharing <laughs> sharing our things in video format uh there might be some trips and stumbles as we try to work through that um so please just be patient with us (laughs) (laughs) i think every instagram influencer will need patience as they try to figure out Mm -hmm. this new algorithm because i don't know what instagram's doing they're trying to compete with tiktok and youtube and i don't know they've strayed from their platform so yeah that's on them not on us so (laughs) yeah so please (laughs) please (laughs) But let's get to the topic at hand, shall we? So, for those who are not aware, this is a very quick synopsis of the current situation here in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, on Thursday, I want to get the date. I want to get the date right. Mm-hmm. On May twenty eighth, mm-hmm. the remains of two hundred and fifteen children were found buried. On, in unmarked graves of the Kamloops Indian Reservation School in Kamloops, British Columbia. Mm-hmm. This has started a long overdue, for lack of better term, yeah. um, storm mm-hmm. of information and, in my hopes, change mm-hmm. for Canada. Mm-hmm. Canada... The Canadian government and the Catholic Church, as well as private organizations, uh, for hundreds of years, um, were removing Indigenous children from their communities all over Canada. Essentially kidnapping them, yeah. Yeah, essentially kidnapping them. As their parents Um, usually did not consent to their removal, no. Yeah, or they were harassed into giving consent. Which, as we all know here at Overdue, does not mean consent. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're coerced, it's not consent. Yeah. If you're tricked um, or bribed, over the yeah. children. Yep. Um, and over the course of these hundreds of years, uh, estimated 150,000 or more children were removed from their families and put into what are being what are called residential schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll discuss later why that term doesn't even work. Uh, where the Canadian government and the Catholic Church and and the other individuals tried to systematically, uh, culturally genocide these children. Mm -hmm. And I say culturally genocide because that was what they wanted to do, is they wanted to strip back everything that made these children indigenous, um, return them to their families, and essentially completely wipe out indigenous cultures across Canada and the US, I should say. They wanted to Anglicanize Um, them, so they drew strip strip them of their heritage, their culture, their names, even their hair. Like they were not allowed to have long hair, which was something symbolic in their culture. So everything that made them quote 
native or indigenous was essentially taken away. They were given new names. They were given new identities. And sometimes they weren't even used like their new names. They were referred to as by numbers. So anything that resembled their indigenous culture and history was taken away from them. Yeah. And when we say taken away, we mean they were not allowed to speak their language. Mm -hmm. Um, They were often put with other groups of indigenous people who didn't even speak the same language. So different tribes and groups from all over Canada were mixed and matched. Siblings were torn apart and put into different schools. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're talking children from, as far as I'm aware, three years and up. Mm -hmm. Um, They were uh, punished for using their languages Um, for trying to keep their traditions like physically um, punished not just like time out but like beaten punished yeah yeah yeah. um and there are of course even worse stories of uh neglect Mm -hmm. sexual assault and uh torture in a lot of ways and that is the current story now since then um more and more and more and more bodies have been discovered mm-hmm. at residential schools across Canada. Yeah. There are, I think, 132 known residential schools. Mm-hmm. And those were the ones primarily run by the Catholic Church. Yeah. However, there are many more that were run by private organizations mm-hmm. funded by the government um, that are unaccounted for. Mm-hmm. Low estimates are 6,000 children unaccounted for. Now, one thing that we that is kind of up in the air right now is if there are any records mm-hmm. of these children. Because a big question is, as Nora said, they were stripped of their name, their culture, everything referred to by a new name or sometimes just by a number. And where those records are is a bit of a mystery. Yeah. They've been either hidden by government, church, whoever destroyed or just were never kept Mm -hmm. and because of that it's absolutely unknown where at least six thousand of these children are Mm -hmm. um because of the conditions at these schools for lack of a better term um many children tried to run away Mm -hmm. tried to run back to their families Mm -hmm. and they were taken so far away from their families that there was no way for the parents Mm -hmm. Or the children to return on their own. Yeah. They're taken so far away to places that they've never seen uh, to be with people who don't even speak their language, yeah. forced to learn this new language and this new religion and this new way of life. Um, and so many, many children tried to run away. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure we won't even be able to find all the bodies of all the children right. because the reality is for any child Mm -hmm. three and up it's a harsh landscape to try to survive on their own especially if they were malnourished malnourished and sick before they escaped and a lot of the times even when they did pass away or were murdered at the school or ran away the parents weren't actually notified a lot of the times Mm -hmm. Unless the parent could actually afford for transportation of their child's mm-hmm. body, the parents weren't notified if their child had died at the school mm-hmm. or went missing. So a lot of times parents didn't know what happened to their child and were left unaware until years later. So 
it would be hard for them to know whether or not they actually died at the school or ran away and passed mm-hmm. on or if they actually made it out and then for whatever reasons because they didn't know where their families were they you know left and went on to live an old life and died somewhere else so mm-hmm. a lot of body records being kept out there yeah and so obviously with this we should also say the reason that this is news now Mm -hmm. this is so shocking to many and why there's so much push here in canada and i believe the u.s as well is beginning Mm -hmm. um i should preface all of this by saying we're going to speak from the canadian perspective um because both of us are canadian and that is where we're able to get our information right just just so that we're not confusing about the u.s and what's happening there because i'm not 100 percent sure now i don't believe they had residential schools in the u.s but i'm not specific they, they had as far as i know they had three times the amount three times yeah Ooh. okay and i believe what happened is a lot of the time they would switch and send children Mm-hmm. So, like, from American Indigenous communities up here mm-hmm. and Canadian communities down to the States. Yeah. Again, not 100% sure on that, but that's the preliminary estimates that I've seen. Right. And the problem, of course, would be that once upon a time, the Indigenous people that roamed North America, they had tribes in both Canada, mm-hmm. what is now Canada and what is now the U.S. And so they may have taken children that were part of one tribe that had territories that were both in what is now mm-hmm. Canada and what is now the States. And of course, when we kind of finalized the borders between the two countries, some people from one tribe could have gone into a U.S. Mm-hmm. residential school while other children may have gone into a Canadian residential school. Mm-hmm. And of that, of course, kind of mixes up everything and makes it more complicated. But the horrors of it is still yeah. tremendous. And so why this is, why a lot of people, why is this important now? Mm-hmm. This happened so many years ago. This happened, blah, blah, blah. You know, things are being fixed now. Right. First thing is, Canadians are not taught about residential schools. No. Or if they are taught about it, it is a superficial level where it is painted as this... It's painted as part of the Indian Act mm-hmm. and painted in a way that almost makes it seem like it was a good thing. Yes. Or a a mutually inclusive thing. Right. Something that was decided together with indigenous communities, mm-hmm. which was not. No. This was not it. So it's not taught in schools. So there are entire generations of Canadians mm-hmm. who did not know this happened. Right. The last residential school closed in 1996. Mm-hmm. I was born the year... The year before. I was born 91. So I would have been about five or six. Yeah. Yeah. So this is not a happened so long ago. This happened 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. But it is not taught in schools at all. Or it is kind of in a superficial manner. That you hear the word residential school. And it's described as a boarding school for indigenous people. Where uh, colonists were educating indigenous children where the catholic church took upon themselves the -hmm. great mission of teaching these children the beauty of god and all his glory and yeah 
Weren't we so nice to reach out our hands to them and teach them what it's like to be Anglican and our ways? Yeah. La, let the angels sing. We are bestowing our greatness yeah. onto them. And no. <laughs> that is not what no. happened. And that, and so the reason it's such a big deal is because people didn't realize that children died there. Mm-hmm. People didn't realize that it was such a place that so many children died there. Yeah. As of today, which is uh, July the 7th. Yeah. No, yeah, July the 3rd. <laughs> <laughs> don't know why I said that. July the 3rd, 2021. Yeah. There are, from the math I'm able to do, around twelve to 13,000 bodies discovered. Mm-hmm. The largest being from Mary Marivelle. Mm-hmm. Uh, indigenous uh, in uh, residential school in Saskatchewan mm-hmm. um, on on the lands of the Cowessis First Nations, yeah. where seven hundred and fifty one bodies were discovered in unmarked graves. Mm-hmm. And so, as I as I said, the primary estimates from what people can gather are at least six thousand children yeah. unaccounted for. Yeah. Um. We've only found twelve hundred so far. Yeah. The indigenous people in, have been saying in four yep, sorry. schools. In four schools. Mm-hmm. And the indigenous people have been saying this for years that if we looked, mm-hmm. we would find them and they have been saying for years that it would be more, like into the hundreds of thousands. So what we mm-hmm. have found is nothing in comparison to what they have said we would find. From first counts of people and from retellings of their grandparents, their great grandparents, who mm-hmm. have actually experienced it, in their mm-hmm. own words, they said, "If you look, you will find hundreds of thousands of us mm-hmm. there." So we are yeah. not even close to finding the amounts that they mm-hmm. believe are actually there. Yeah, and of course, this isn't even looking into all the places where the children may have run off to when they were trying to escape these places. This is just yeah. at the schools. So. Yeah. For all we know, even when we get finished finding or excavating all of the old schools, that probably mm-hmm. won't even be the real number because many of hundreds of thousands of children probably died just trying to run away and get back home. Mm-hmm. And they will likely never be found because exactly. who knows where they ran? Mm-hmm. Who knows if they were snatched by somebody exactly. else? Who knows if they were eaten by an animal? Mm-hmm. Like... You know, you're never going to find yeah. those bodies. And so this is a basic and brief, mm-hmm. the briefest and most basic history of not only residential schools, but also what's currently happening here in Canada, yeah. because there is so much that was hidden, mm-hmm. so much that that is known by government or higher officials in the church and the government mm-hmm. and private organizations that is not even being released yet. But all of this culminates into what this podcast is about, which is, should Canada Day be cancelled? There are calls across the country for Canada Day to be Mm cancelled. Now, for those who don't know, Canada Day is July 1st, Mm -hmm. so it has already passed and will have been long passed by the time this podcast comes out for listening. Mm -hmm. But it is an ongoing conversation because... We're not asking, people are not asking for Canada Day to be cancelled for one year. Right. They are calling for it to be an ongoing cancellation, if you will, Mm -hmm. until uh, Indigenous people 
have justice. Right. And so for those who are unfamiliar, Canada Day, much like July 4th, which is Independence Day for America, it's mm-hmm. similar, but it's also different. So mm-hmm. a lot of countries that were colonized by England or maybe Portugal or Spain, they all have mm-hmm. their kind of like Independence Day, which is their separation from the quote motherland. Technically, Canada never formally separated. They didn't have this big brouhaha the way the Americas did. They didn't go to mm-hmm. war and be like, I don't want to... They didn't pour the tea. Exactly. The, the they didn't be like, I don't want to be a part of you anymore and throw a big hissy fit or whatever. We were very good at being like, we're cool with you being our parent. And then, you know, we grow mm-hmm. up and we'll, you know, move out of your house kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So what Canada Day really celebrates is not its independence from britain or the commonwealth but rather the time in which all the provinces kind of came together and said we're going to be a country now so yeah. long before under the british empire under, exactly <laughs> so all uh sir john a Macdonald pretty much went around the whole entire country and went up to all the different provinces as leaders and be like hey you want to form a country and kind of went and did the essentially knocking on everybody's doors and being like, hey, mm-hmm. let's form a country together. Let's be one big, you know, big thing. And essentially this kind of commemorates that time in which all the provinces said, yes, we will join together. We will formally be recognized as one big country under the Commonwealth and all mm-hmm. that. And so I think the last province to actually form or to join the Confederacy was Newfoundland and Labrador, which in 1941 sorry, 49, was the last province to join Canada. And the only reason they did so was actually because a lot of their men were actually wiped out in World War II. Mm-hmm. So they went off to battle, and in, in that battle, a huge fleet of them were killed. And they yep. recognized, ooh, that's not so good. Mm-hmm. If our whole population has been annihilated, we're not really a country mm-hmm. anymore. <laughs> So we, we should probably get some backing Yeah, we from should probably bigger... get some protection here. We need kind of some help. And so they turned to Canada and said, hey, you've been kind of asking us to be part of your uh, group there. You think you have room <laughs> for one more? And we're like, yeah, sure, of course. Come on on. And then in 1999, uh, Canada recognized Nunavut as another mm-hmm. territory, which is mm-hmm. slightly different than a province. But essentially in 1999... Canada, as Canada is known today, was essentially formed with three territories and eight provinces. Ten, ten provinces. <laughs> ten provinces. <laughs> and so, you know, ta-da! That's what essentially we celebrate mm-hmm. with Canada Day. Not our independence, but essentially all of our unification, our unification. under exactly. Commonwealth. And I should say, this was all done... I'm going to say, without consultation of Indigenous people. Exactly. Um, for historical context, I should also say, though even the name of our country, Canada, mm-hmm. is actually an appropriation of Indigenous yes. culture. Because the story goes that when colonists arrived in Canada, mm-hmm. they tried to ask and figure out where they were. Because, yeah. of course, nobody knew. <laughs> like, they all thought they were heading for India, yeah. um, hence why the inappropriate name for Indigenous people are Indians, mm-hmm. right? And why, I think in the States, they're still Native 
a lot of people still call uh, Indigenous communities Indians. Yeah. Um, that's not appropriate here in Canada, but for this reason, mm-hmm. they came, colonists came and were like, where are we? Mm-hmm. Trying to figure it out, thinking they're in India. Mm-hmm. And um, whatever tribe they contacted first mm-hmm. said, Kanata, mm-hmm. which in their language meant home. Mm-hmm. Like you're in our home, yeah. like you're in our, you're at our home. You're in our living Come room. to our home, <laughs> right? Like, like they are either saying you can come to our home or we're at home or whatever yeah. they were saying. Um, and of course that's being butchered and changed to fit colonist linguistics. Yeah. And that's why Canada is called Canada today. Yeah. Um, so the whole kit and caboodle is just a amalgamation and appropriation. Right. And when Sir John A. McDonald was going from coast to coast to ask if all the other provinces and territories would join Canada, he wasn't actually going to any of the indigenous people. He was no. not making time for any tribal leader or a chief. He didn't care about them. He only wanted the Anglican Republic leader people. Mm-hmm. So any settlement in which an Anglo- like Anglican or a Francophone, Anglophone, <laughs> Francophone right? yeah, person was living, that's who he went to. He didn't care about any of the indigenous people Mm-mm. that were settled there. He didn't care about any of the tribes. He didn't go tell them and ask them, hey, do you want to be part of our country? He pretty much ignored them and mm-hmm. actively worked to Anglicanize them. Mm-hmm. He essentially saw them as people living on his land, and he's like, sure, mm-hmm. you can stay, but you got to be a little more like us, so... Off to the residential schools, you go. In fact, I'm pretty sure John A. MacDonald is considered the father yeah. of residential schools. Yes, he is. The architect yep. of residential schools. He's the father of confederacy and residential mm-hmm. schools, which is also not talked about in schools. So you only hear of him yeah. as the father of confederacy. Yay. Yeah, the first prime minister yeah. of Canada He's in our, some our Washington. Context. He's our Washington, which. Yeah. He was never actually a prime minister because Canada didn't have prime ministers at the time. Yeah. They were not considered prime ministers because all and everything had to go through the queen first. Mm-hmm. And even to this day, our laws still have to be um, approved by a queen or her representative. Mm-hmm. Now, I believe for the most part, there's a big hands-off kind of approach. Like Canada like has to pass it on, but I'm pretty sure they just go, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more ceremony than anything. Yeah, it's more yeah, it goes to like her representative, and she doesn't. I don't think she actually consults the queen anymore. Oh, no I way. think it's just more like, <laughs> yeah, sure, okay, cool. And I'm sure, like, if something came up where Canada's like, we're gonna rebel against British rule, mm-hmm. I'm sure they would probably send it to the queen in that <laughs> point. But yeah, it's it's more on ceremony now because yeah. of the relationship between Britain and Canada. Um, but this is an even bigger reason why there's a call for canceling Canada Day. Yeah. Everything about Canada Day itself, mm-hmm. Canada's name, mm-hmm. um, basically spits in the face of Indigenous communities here in Canada. Exactly. Especially now that nobody in Canada can say that they don't know about residential schools. Right. right? And so the idea of celebrating the unification of British colonies Mm -hmm. under Commonwealth as a country, Canada, while there are so many Indigenous people suffering Mm -hmm. 
both grieving for these found children, but also suffering yeah. because it didn't end at residential school. And they're, they're still kind of openly mm-hmm. um, preju- uh, prejudiced against, yeah. discriminated against um, in Canadian culture and history mm-hmm. is not only boldly disrespectful, mm-hmm. But also disgustingly racist. <laughs> yes. And so there's a big call for canceling Canada Day. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of pushback against this right. idea. Of course there oh, yeah. is. <laughs> um, one of the big pushbacks I hear and that I think is really good to discuss mm-hmm. is well, Canada has done amazing things. Mm-hmm. For immigrant families. Yes. It has done so many things for after the war, for people fleeing for refugees, uh, for uh, new Canadians who came, you know, after famine Mm -hmm. and all these other things. Mm -hmm. Canada has done amazing things. Why can't you let them celebrate that? Yes. And that is a very heavy question. It is, yeah. So I feel like... The thing that we should probably clarify, or at least I believe, Mm -hmm. I don't Mm -hmm, know if this mm -hmm. is generally the feeling, I don't necessarily see it as canceling Canada Day. I don't think we can Mm -hmm. ever actually cancel Canada Day. Mm -hmm. It would be like trying to cancel somebody's birthday. You can't just pretend Canada Day never happened. Just the same way you can't pretend somebody wasn't born. Right? Like, Mm -hmm. what are you going to do? Like, just pretend, like... April 25th never happened and I wasn't born. What are you going to like? You mm-hmm. can't. I exist. <laughs> so mm-hmm. clearly I was born on a day just because you pretend I don't have a birthday doesn't mean that I don't exist anymore. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And so Canada as a country came together. And so we have to recognize that. Mm-hmm. However, we don't necessarily have to celebrate and recognize or we had to recognize it, but we don't necessarily have to celebrate its formalization. Mm-hmm. And so there's a big difference between cancel Canada Day and cancel Canada festivity, Canada Day festivities. Yeah. And I think what we really want to get at is canceling Canada Day festivities. Mm-hmm. So in Canada Day, much like, you know, America's Independence Day, there's a big brouhaha. There are mm-hmm. fireworks, fireworks, there's concerts, there's a whole celebration from coast to coast. Every Barbecues, yeah, exactly. flags. There's a, it's a national holiday. Everybody gets the day off. If it's not mm-hmm. on a weekend, they usually get the Friday or Monday off, depending on where it falls mm-hmm. that day. It, like This year it was a Thursday, so most people got the Friday off. And mm-hmm. so... You know, people got like holiday pay for that day. You were able to spend time with your family, do mm-hmm. fireworks, go to the cottage, do a whole big thing with fireworks and concerts and, you know, the whole enchilada. And what I think a lot of people are asking for is that that not be done this year mm-hmm. or for the next couple of years to come. Mm-hmm. And simply because of what has happened in, you know, the months prior with Mm -hmm. the discovery of these residential schools, with the highlight of the treatment towards indigenous people from years Mm -hmm. ago, even like now, right. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of 
mal- maltreatment of indigenous people even today. They still do not have access to um, affordable housing or even clean water on reservations. There are still hundreds of thousands of missing and murdered indigenous women. Their cases have not been solved or even looked mm-hmm. at for years. They were not even taken mm-hmm. seriously because a lot of the times they were seen as, oh, well, she's just a troubled child. She's a runaway. We don't need to look mm-hmm. for her. Uh, she's probably a drug addict. She's probably an alcohol exactly, addict. Right. She's probably, she's probably uh, pardon my phrasing, whoring herself around. Exactly. And, you know, a lot of these people are addicted to gambling, nicotine, uh, substance abuse, alcohol, and there's still that misconception of the lazy Indian who mm-hmm. has nothing better to do than to get high, which isn't, mm-hmm. of course... On the government's time exactly. is usually what people are talking about. You know, um, residential schools' legacy still continues with the fact that a lot of the children are still being taken away in terms of foster care. Mm-hmm. And so if child aid services are called to an indigenous home, they are far more likely to remove the child from the home than actually do an adequate investigation as to see whether or not, you know, the family or the home is actually equipped to help them and to Mm -hmm. actually put in place things that could actually be beneficial to the child. They're far more likely just to take them and put them into the foster care system. And that is just a whole shitload of problems that we should probably get into it in another episode, but not this Mm -hmm. one. And so... All of the maltreatment that is that has happened to indigenous people are still going on today. And with the discoveries of all these unmarked graves and all the unmarked graves to come, what they're asking for is to say, maybe this year we don't have a whole big thing about it. Maybe this year. And maybe. Yep. And maybe. They're asking for a shift, mm-hmm. right? Yes. They're asking for us to stop celebrating colonial Canada. Yeah. Stop celebrating a entity, mm-hmm. co- colonists, colo- colonial Canada. Colonialism. That colonialism. Mm-hmm. And start celebrating the original history of Canada. Right. Start celebrating indigenous activism. Yes. Start celebrating indigenous history. Recognizing that Canada, Canada was a place and a whole, like a whole thing before colonialism mm-hmm. happened. I mean, long before, excuse my phrasing, the white man came onto this country, mm-hmm. it was a whole place. People, like the indigenous mm-hmm. people, referred to North America, which included both Canada and the U.S., as Turtle Island. That was their country. And they recognize the existence of other tribes and, Mm -hmm. for the most part, did actually get along with them quite well. Yes, Mm. there was, you know, territorial conflicts every now and then. But so is there in Europe. (laughs) Exactly. And nobody's saying that they never happened. But, yeah, um, yeah, so there was a whole place before Canada known as Turtle Island. And they are just asking that maybe we recognize that. That long before, that exactly, instead. long before the white man ever stepped foot, there was a culture, there was a history, there were people who lived mm-hmm. here, who believed here, who celebrated here. Mm-hmm. And to to celebrate Canada Day any year, mm-hmm. really, is to reinforce this idea that the the colonial narrative mm-hmm. is the correct one, right? When we're learning day and day and day from the Black Lives Matter movement Mm -hmm. and from the Every Child Matters, which is the indigenous, current indigenous movement, Mm -hmm. 
that obviously the colonial narrative is not correct. Mm -hmm. It leaves lasting damage. It leaves lasting long-term irreparable in a lot of ways damage. And to keep celebrating that is to push in the faces of not only people of color, but indigenous people that they don't matter, that their pain, their grief, their histories don't Mm -hmm. matter. And so people are asking for, if we're going to celebrate Canada day, Mm -hmm. right? If that's because as you said, you can't like just cancel it outright. Mm then we shouldn't be pushing the colonial narrative. Right. We should be celebrating the original histories. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when we go back to this idea of, well, why can't, you know, new Canadians celebrate the fact that they have a better life here yeah. than they would have if they'd stayed in their home countries. Mm-hmm. We have to understand that the only way that they could have had that life was built on the backs of not only you know the indigenous people that were murdered right. not only from like original colonization like from diseases mm-hmm. but also from the systematic genocide yeah. of residential schools yeah so the way right we have to understand that there were those but plus like the rail world railroads yeah. were built on the backs of chinese exactly. immigrants and you know there's tons of canadian history that is built on the backs of people who died and are not recognized the same so the way i see it is in terms of like north america but specifically the states not so much canada Mm -hmm. but you know north america was built with the blood sweat and tears of the enslaved Mm -hmm. but it was built on the bones of the indigenous people Mm -hmm. and that's really the way that we should be thinking about it because yes especially in terms of the u.s the enslaved people essentially built your country the way that it is now. Oh, yeah. But they did so with their blood, sweat, and tears, and so you must recognize that. It was their labor that created your country. Mm-hmm. But they built that country on the bones of the indigenous people. Mm-hmm. Think of it this way. The bones of the indigenous people are the bricks, mm-hmm. and the blood, sweat, and tears of the enslaved is the mortar. Right. Your literal base of, of the country is built on others. Yeah. And those are the people that you have to recognize mm-hmm. before you can recognize anybody else. Like, yeah. there is no home without the foundation. Mm-mm. And the other way I see it is, like, when people say, you know, why can't we celebrate, you know, Canada and what it means to be Canadian, I think of it as, like, going to a child's funeral on Monday and going up to their family and being like, we're so sorry for your loss. We can't believe this happened. You know, please let us know what we can do for you. But then celebrating the child's killer on Friday and acting like, yeah, well, there was like three days in between. So what's the problem? Right. I mean, we have to celebrate yeah. the fact that this guy did amazing things. Why can't we look before at before he killed your child Yeah, <laughs> before and even after they, you know, killed the child, they did great things. Why can't we celebrate that? Because you still killed the child. You can't just Mm -hmm. act like that one terrible thing he did is somehow erased by all the amazing things he did. Mm -hmm. Right? Because it's It's not. It's not. And you can't say, so sorry for your loss on one day and then be like, hurrah, the next day. It's Mm -hmm. just, it's, what's the word I'm looking for? Disrespectful. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but, um, 
performative. Performative, yes. yes. You know. And we talk about performative activism here at Overdue an awful yes. lot. Because it's very easy to do performative mm-hmm. activism. And I'm sure that in the next week or so, or if there's a gap in how in finding bodies mm-hmm. of the children, that people will go back to their normal lives, you know, using slurs against indigenous people, mm-hmm. saying that they just use government money, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Because it's all performative. Yeah. And and I think it's important the way I see it is there are four types of people currently living in Canada. Mm-hmm. There are indigenous people. Mm-hmm. There are immigrants. Mm-hmm. There are those that were brought here against their will mm-hmm. through enslavement yep. and their ancestors. Yep. And there's colonists. Yes. Now, colonists, and what I'm talking about there, are the people who are like, go back to your own country. <laughs> or like, or the ones who are like, who are aggressively denying indigenous claims Mm -hmm. or saying, well, it doesn't matter. Canada Day still should be celebrated. Or, you know, what about the veterans? Mm -hmm. Like, they died for our country. We should celebrate them. Mm -hmm. First of all, Veterans Day is Remembrance Day. And what about all the indigenous people that died for our country? Part of the reason we won World War II is because indigenous people died in that war. And so... We can't use one narrative Mm -hmm. to, like, reject the other narrative, Mm -hmm. especially to reject the victim's narrative. I mean, a lot of Indigenous people fought in World War I and World War II Mm -hmm. and were never properly recognized. Mm -mm. They actually willingly signed up to be part of the army and were told, nah, no thanks. But you know what? You can make your own little group. And we'll send you off. We'll send you off as the Indian party. We won't really actually help you, but, you know. We won't call you Canadian troops. We won't call you British troops. (laughs) You know, you do your thing, and if you survive, that's cool. If you don't, oh, well. And then they came home, and they survived, and they're like, all right, good for you. And Do they they get a parade? No. (laughs) no. Did they get formally recognized? No. (laughs) No. And... Canada didn't really help even their own soldiers recover from that, (laughs) but they definitely did not help Indigenous people recover from the horrors they saw. And to put, to make this all so very clear, if we haven't already, (laughs) residential schools are inherently tied to the Indian Act. Yes. And there's a lot of history around that, including keeping Indigenous people from running businesses, Mm -hmm. keeping people keeping indigenous people out of the trades, yeah. keeping indigenous people out of higher education. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of history tied into the, yeah. the Indian Act and residential schools. Yeah. And reservations, and it was too. And reservations, yeah. which are all tied into the Indian mm-hmm. Act. All of this to try to make it so that indigenous people had to either assimilate mm-hmm. or die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I say that because... The point of the residential school, mm-hmm. I believe, as said in many acts in Canada, mm-hmm. was to eradicate the Indian from the child. Yes. So the idea being that they would not be recognizable as Indigenous whatsoever, mm-hmm. and either they could assimilate, mm-hmm. or they could go back to their homes and basically die. Yeah. And this has had far-reaching consequences because... The children that did survive 
grew up traumatized Mm -hmm. because of sexual abuse, because of starvation, because of torture, because of just, like, the fact that they were taken from their families, Mm -hmm. which is traumatic, Mm -hmm. sent back to their tribes, to their groups, to their homes, not able to speak the language to their grandparents anymore, if if their grandparents were still Mm -hmm. alive, not having any of the cultural or traditional resources to survive in the climates that they were living in. So think, children taken from Nunavut, taken from Nunavut, Mm -hmm. down here in the south, Mm -hmm. not taught anything about even hunting, and then being sent back up to Nunavut, Mm -hmm. which for people who don't know is pretty much winter all year. And then they survive off hunting, hunting Hunting whales, hunting seals, seals, hunting polar bears, caribou, and then brought down to Ontario which is not very hunting <laughs> at all. You can grow crops yeah. here. And then going back to Nunavut and being like, here, we taught you how to plant vegetables. Go plant some fruit in the snow. What? <laughs> yeah. And and so they're sent back up, not speaking the language, nope. not knowing how to communicate. Nope. They get, they're, they're traumatized, mm-hmm. so they have potentially anger issues, substance abuse issues. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is where a lot of indigenous um, substance abuse comes from, is this traumatic, these traumas. It's their coping mechanism to yeah. kind of deal with the trauma that they saw, the abuse, the neglect. Yeah. Yeah. The PTSD. Like it, they yeah, as we talked about last episode. Cultural, yeah. yeah. And then they get married. They have mm-hmm. kids because, you know, that's just what happens. And then they have children who they can't share the language with. Well, they don't know they which language share. to share. I mean, they can't share their yeah. cultural language and their history with them because they don't have it. So they have yeah. to teach them the English language that they have, but yeah. they're not really necessarily like tied to. You yeah. know, they're trying to teach them the history and culture that they were taught, but they're not necessarily connected to. And you know, how do you how do you do that? How do you pass on something that you're not? formally connected to this isn't who you are this isn't your identity and you know that Mm -hmm. but this is all you have yeah and for a lot of especially elders Mm -hmm. current elders who survived residential schools they are so afraid of teaching their children and grandchildren their languages if they do remember because they're afraid that if their children speak it they will also be taken away and beaten and sexually assaulted and starved And so they refuse to speak yeah. because they will not pass on the potential danger. Yeah. But because of that, we're talking about hundreds of languages just extinct mm-hmm. because the last person who knew any of it is, is dead. Mm-hmm. And so think about that now. Yeah. That's two generations mm-hmm. of children, two generations of people who could not be taught their cultural language mm-hmm. or traditions mm-hmm. because tradition is really tied to language yeah. and also couldn't really be taught the traditional way of life mm-hmm. because how do you try to communicate to somebody why you, how you hunt seal sustainably yeah. if you can't speak the same language mm-hmm. or how you prepare the meat properly to last all winter right. if you can't speak the language. Mm-hmm. And so it's why we see so much fracture mm-hmm. in indigenous communities and why there's so many stereotypes mm-hmm. about gambling indigenous people or alcoholic indigenous people, incredibly 
damaging and dangerous stereotypes. All because of these schools, Mm -hmm. which definitely are not schools. That's why I hate using the word school. They were not schools. They were, they were essentially almost the same as, you know, the Nazi camps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In terms of what they were trying to do. Because I should mention, there's a lot of stuff starting to come out now, and I don't have any hard evidence about it, that a lot of Canadian medical knowledge Mm -hmm. is coming from experiments done on Indigenous children Mm -hmm. in these these schools. One article I read said that the nutritional labels that we have on our foods, the daily minimums, Mm -hmm were found through starving indigenous children. Oh, wow. And finding the bare minimum that they could survive on. Oh, wow. And so, like, that's an incredibly strong history mm-hmm. that that makes it, to me at least, seem irrevocable to celebrate Canada mm-hmm. Day. Mm-hmm. If, we, if we understand that that was happening. Yeah. And so another thing to point out is... In the indigenous people, much like the indigenous people of like Africa and mm-hmm. New Zealand, Australia, they were more of an oral tradition. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about the fact that people can no longer speak their language and no longer can like pass down these traditions, a lot of people might think, well, why can't they just read it in a book? Because in the Western culture, our knowledge is transferred down through books and other kind of scholarly material. But that wasn't always the case with the indigenous people. Their traditions usually passed down through oral translation. So they learned how to hunt. They learned about their history. They learned about their religious leaders and traditions through oral translation. Mm-hmm. And so when an elder can't communicate with the next generation through oral history because they don't understand the language, their history, their traditions stops with them. They cannot mm-hmm. pass it down. So it's not a simple matter of, hey, go to the library and pick up a book about, you know, indigenous language and learn it through that way. Or, you know, pick up Rosetta Stone and learn, you know, Inuit language through that because there is no such thing anymore. And this is why it's so important and why it's so horrific when these, pe- these children were taken away into the residential schools. Mm-hmm. Why the breakdown in between the grandparents' language and the child's language is so horrific because there is no translation anymore. If the new generation doesn't understand the prior generation, they can no longer pass down their traditions, their histories, Mm -hmm. their knowledge. There is no book to go to, you know, like there is no big Britannica book to learn about. There's no encyclopedia encyclopedia. or dictionary. So the dictionary was your elder. Exactly. Yeah. If you wanted to know something, you didn't go to Google. You went to Elder. You went to the chief. Mm -hmm. You went to the shaman. Mm -hmm. And so if you can't go to them anymore, you can't learn from them. Mm -hmm. And so essentially their language, their culture, everything dies with them when you cannot speak to them. Mm -hmm. And indigenous culture today is similar. Mm -hmm. They're still not writing in books because that's just not their way. And the fact of the matter is, is they're a very heavily community-based culture. They're so tied into the fact that they gather together mm-hmm. regularly and have these discussions and have these storytellings. 
because that's how they do history, mm-hmm. you know? And, and it's so, it's so important to recognize that this wasn't lost the way that you lose your keys in the sofa. Yeah. This was systematically eradicated. Yes. Specifically, colonists saw how indigenous people yeah. were, saw how their cultures acted, mm-hmm. and went, you know what will will fix mm-hmm. this? Because they saw indigenous people as something to fix. If we make it so they can't speak to each mm-hmm. other, then they won't be indigenous anymore. Exactly. And there's another kind of aspect to that. It's this idea that colonists introduce blood quantum into things. Mm -hmm. So this idea that you have to be a certain percentage Mm -hmm. indigenous to, to live on reservations, to claim indigenous benefits, et cetera, et cetera. When indigenous cultures, that's not what they believe uh, in, in the least, but now they have children or they have people who are part of their community who could never, ever claim that they are Mm -hmm. because they were born of some other culture. Mm -hmm. And you can see through all these examples how much colonism, colonism, Mm -hmm. colonialism changed them as a people and changed how they have to try to to heal themselves. And so this this kind of spins all the way back to to this idea that people are calling for a cancel Canada Day mm-hmm. until Indigenous people have justice, yeah. and justice looks very different um, depending on where you who you're asking and where you're looking. Mm-hmm. Canada has a truth and reconciliation mm-hmm. um, mandate. Yeah. I think there's. Um, I believe it's twenty five. I think it's twenty five like tasks. I think it's 97. Or calls, 97, yeah, yeah, you're right, sorry, I don't know why I said 25. Calls to action. Yeah. And the idea is, Canada is is supposed to hold itself to all of these. Yes. Right? And as far as I know, they haven't done one. No, they haven't. And this is a report that came out two, three years ago. They yeah. actually asked the Indigenous people and the government to come together Sit, yep. talk, let us know what we as the Canadian government can do to help you. What can we do to reconcile, to reconcile with what history. we have done in our history? How can we essentially bridge this gap that we have created? What can we do to help you, to raise you, to praise you? And they came yep. back and said, here are 97 things that we would like you, the Canadian government, to do. To help heal us, to help recognize us. And two, three years later, after the report was actually submitted, the Canadian government has done nothing to do any of that. Now, granted, there has been a shift in Canadian government. There was about four yeah. years ago, it turned from a conservative government to a mineral, was it, uh, liberal government? Liberal government, yeah. yeah. And then another shift to a split. Yes. And so there's been a lot of coup braha about who is actually in charge of the actual country. But essentially, Mm -hmm. in between that time, 
they haven't taken any kind of steps to actually do anything with mm-hmm. the truth and reconciliation report. So all the suggestions that they were granted or suggested to help, they haven't done anything. Mm-hmm. And we should we should point out truth mm-hmm. is a big part of truth and reconciliation. <laughs> yes. And this idea that indigenous people want the government to admit yes. openly with accountability mm-hmm. That they did these things on purpose. So here's something that I read that I think is actually very true. So Canada is very good at calling out other countries to reconcile or to acknowledge their genocidal history. They are very good at calling out people and saying, you are committing human rights rights Mm -hmm. atrocities. You have committed genocide against your people. You need to reconcile that. They, however, are terrible at holding themselves accountable. And the reason I read they believe is a part of that is because unlike France, who recently admitted that they committed genocide in their African colonies, or Mm -hmm. uh, Germany, who have admitted and apologized for the atrocities Mm -hmm. of World War II and Hitler Mm -hmm. and the Nazi government... The reason Canada has a harder time doing that is because unlike those other countries, their government system that actually committed those acts are no longer in existence. So there no longer is a Nazi government and there no longer is a French monarchy. But unlike them, the Canadian governmental system that allowed the atrocities of the uh, residential schools is still actually in place. So there Mm -hmm. was still a liberal conservative government party when all this was happening. And so for them to actually formally recognize that the government was at fault was essentially to say that they are at fault and they have Mm -hmm. a really hard time doing that, which I think is actually very similar to the way U S People have a hard time reconciling Mm -hmm. the fact that their ancestors were slaveholders Mm -hmm. and trying to reconcile the fact that they themselves are not racist. Like, my ancestor was racist, but I'm not. So how do I reconcile that and say, yeah, my ancestors were bad and wrong and racist without actually accepting the fact that I am wrong, bad and racist, right? So, like, Mm -hmm. there is no Nazi government party in Germany, which is why... Angela Merkel can say, like, yes, we recognize the fact that that German government that no longer exists anymore, that's yeah. not us. We can say they did terrible things and we can say mm-hmm. they were wrong. But Canada, because that our government system has not changed, has a hard time. It would be saying we are exactly. wrong. And they don't, and they don't they want, don't to, want that. to say that we're racist, we're whatever. Mm-hmm. But the so, system that was racist is still in place. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it's still it's racist. It's still racist, exactly. So they don't want to say we're a racist government, mm-hmm. but they can't actually say we did racist things, mm-hmm. our government did racist things, without actually saying we kind of did racist things. And are doing exactly. racist things. So they kind of just act like, yeah, that wasn't really us, so that's not our problem. Yeah. But it's like you're yeah. not really addressing the issue when you just say... Not me, not my problem. <laughs> yeah. And you brought up a really good point. There's a lot of people in the US and in Canada, especially 
given these circumstances that are like, well, my, like, I didn't vote for residential Mm -hmm. schools. I didn't vote or agree to any of that. How can, how do, why do I have to pay for that? Right? Because for some reason, white people, (laughs) it's majority white people, though I have heard some like some new Canadians feel this way. Um, feel like somehow because Canada Day is being, quote, cancelled, mm-hmm. and because there are calls for big action mm-hmm. towards reconciliation, that somehow white people and these other voices are being punished. Yeah. First of all, uh, fixing all of the indigenous water problems on reservations isn't going to take any money away from you. And it's not going to use your taxes because taxes taken in Toronto typically go back to Toronto. Mm -hmm. This is the other government money. The government has more money than your taxes, Susan. Mm -hmm. Um, So one, not being punished because it's not your money Mm -hmm. going anywhere. Mm -hmm. It's government money. Mm -hmm. So calm down, first (laughs) of all. Second of all, there's a big, there's a, there's a line. There's a line that everyone has to cross in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Did you personally want this to happen? This being residential schools mm-hmm. and racism against indigenous people. Mm-hmm. No, I don't believe that you actually wanted that to happen. Yeah. Especially if not the person Did who you- just emigrated to Canada like two years ago. Yeah, like they're not... Like, they obviously didn't know about this. They obviously didn't choose this. You know, they just tried to escape probably similar atrocities. Like, they did not want this. And the child who was born two, three years ago, they obviously didn't want this. They obviously didn't want this. They obviously had no idea about this. (laughs) They obviously had no idea about this. But the line you have to cross is, as a Canadian, Mm -hmm. because there's nothing wrong with being proud to be Canadian and for wanting to be Canadian. It's the line is, if you stand by and say nothing mm-hmm. and do nothing mm-hmm. and and just say, well, that is what it is. It's history. Mm-hmm. You are as bad as the people who put the action into place. Yes. If you are just like, well, it's not my problem. I shouldn't have to deal with mm-hmm. this. I didn't do it. So it's not my mess to clean yeah. up. You are now the problem because you are just as bad as somebody watching someone get beaten on the streets Mm -hmm. and not stepping in. You're just as bad as the Canadians who were living at that time that said, Mm -hmm. I'm not an Indigenous person. I'm not Inuit. I'm not Métis. My child's not being taken away from me, so I don't care. Yeah, Yeah, well... You're a bystander mm -hmm. and therefore you're as bad as the bully, as the person enacting the act. You chased off the person whose land that you were now living on and then said, it's not my problem that their child is being taken away. Well, actually, yes, it is. And if you don't do yeah. anything now, you're just the same as that person. And yes, it is your problem. Yeah. And why should we look after your child when you're not looking after mm-hmm. your neighbor's child? It's yeah. like that old adage, like it takes a village. Everybody yeah. wants the village to step in when their child is in need. But yeah. nobody wants the village to step in when it's time to discipline their child, right? Oh, yeah. oh, your child's about to run in front of a car. Yeah, you should have stopped them. Oh, my child's acting up in the store. Oh, I don't want you to discipline them and tell them that's not okay. 
No, you can't yeah. have it both ways. You yeah. want to be Canadian, you have to recognize the fact that as like a new Canadian citizen, you the country that now you want to claim has done terrible things. And until they reconcile that and clean it up, you are still culpable for that. Yeah. You were not around Whether- for that atrocity. Mm-hmm. It's just like I wasn't around for that atrocity. Mm-hmm. Just like you weren't around, right? Like all mm-hmm. these people who were born here probably weren't around for the atrocities. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that they're not responsible for trying to help clean it up and reconcile that so that we can move forward. Because I think this, so this puts it into really good perspective for me, or or it did for Mm me. I believe here in Canada, something like 21 of our, of our parliamentary people, Mm -hmm. I'm really bad with Canadian government, so please give me a break. Um, of the Canadian currently sitting, something something like 21 of them mm-hmm. were 18 yeah. when residential schools were around. Mm. So they were had voting power. Yeah. They were 100% and could be 100% culpable for the choices that were made mm-hmm. in those eras. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and in I was listening, so on June 30th, it was uh, Indigenous Listening Day, I think is what they did. So all radio stations across Canada had spaces mm-hmm. on air for Indigenous stories to be mm-hmm. told and Indigenous uh, community members to speak up. Yeah. And one of the ones I listened to was very succinctly put it into place, right? And essentially he was saying that whether or not you were alive during residential schools, whether you came to Canada 20 years ago, 40 years ago, three years ago, or six days ago, or were born here, you have now inherited the history of this country because you want to claim it as your own. Mm -hmm. And to claim the history means to admit it and to fix it. Mm-hmm. And fixing it looks a lot like holding politicians accountable to the Truth and Reconciliation Act. Reading the Truth and Reconciliation document for yourself mm-hmm. to understand what it is is being asked of C- Canadians. Um, voting in parties that are going to look after Indigenous mm-hmm. rights. For example, I saw a really great video from Jugmeet Mm -hmm. Singh, who is our NDP leader. And he was at a press conference and a a reporter said, when you get into office, if you get into office, are you going to spend the money to fix reservations? Fix the water? And Jugmeet Singh was very much taken aback for a second. And the first words out of his mouth were, would you ask me that if we were talking about Toronto? Hmm. Would you ask me that if we were talking about Ottawa? Would you ask me that if we were talking about Calgary? And the guy was like, well, it's a lot of money. And Jagmeet was like, looked around again as if this was a joke and said, would you ask me that if we were talking about Vancouver, about downtown, uh, New- like downtown in New Brunswick, St. John's, hmm. would you be asking me Am I going to fix the water if we are talking about a big city 
whose population was not primarily Indigenous people? Right. And the answer is no. Yeah, when Fort McMurray was burned alive, there was yeah. no hesitation as to whether or not we mm-hmm. would spend money to restore them. Lytton and Ken Loop, British Columbia, recently had wildfires that essentially wiped out their entire population, their entire infrastructure. Nobody's yep. sitting around twiddling their thumbs saying, mm, gee, I don't know, should we spend money on this? I don't know. No, they're full force going, yeah, we got to do everything we mm-hmm. can to restore these populations. Fix this. Exactly. The fa- so why is that brought into question? Exactly. And the reason simply is because of racism. Because these are mm-hmm. entirely indigenous populations. There is little to no white people who are actually living mm-hmm. in indigenous country, uh, indigenous regions. And so yeah. when the government has to face the question of whether or not they are going to put money towards them, there's always this backlash. And we are talking billions of no, dollars. The, we are talking billions yeah, of dollars. I mean, they're talking about infrastructure, proper infrastructure for affordable housing, for clean water. There's always this mm-hmm. pushback because it's just solely indigenous people why do the indigenous people get all of the work why do they get all this Mm -hmm. money um i'm sorry but you have clean water there is no hesitation Mm -hmm. i mean in toronto for example when all the old copper pipes need to be restored because it was dangerous and polluting their water system there was no hesitation that is billions of dollars as well but the biggest pushback was oh my god you're going to close the street (laughs) in the summer Like, but if they did not fix the piping system in Toronto because of that, there would have been a major brouhaha. But the fact that... But we're talking about communities who for the past, who for as long as some of the residents have lived Mm -hmm. there. So we're talking people who are in their 30s and 40s. They have been under a boil water advisory. Mm -hmm. We're talking about children born in these places who get rashes from being washed in the water. And who do not get enough water supplied to them. Think Flint, Michigan, but the entire country. So yeah. whatever happened in Flint, Michigan, with the fact that they had to boil their water, think of that happening Still do, I think. everywhere in Canada. Yeah. Not just one... All across Canada. Not just one small community, but every community across Canada. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening with Indigenous community and their inaccessibility to fresh water. And remember the fact that Canada is has like the major population of fresh water in our midst. Yeah. So we have more fresh water. I believe we have more fresh water than, than any, any other country in the world. Any other country in the world. And yeah. so the fact that the indigenous people do not have access to that fresh water, that tells you something. We are surrounded Especially by fresh water. By we fresh have water. More fresh water than any other country in the world. And Parts of our population cannot access that. Yeah. That is problematic. That yeah. we should be spending billions of dollars to help reconcile. Yeah. And and I know this is a topic for another time, but I wanted to bring it up just because I think it is very important. Mm-hmm. The foster system mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. You know, indigenous CPS or whatever it is, is more likely to take indigenous children away if called in during the birth of that child. Yeah. If it's indigenous, which is freaking ridiculous. Indigenous people in Canada make up around 5% of the population. Mm -hmm. From what I've been able to read. They make up over 50% of the kids in foster care. Wow. 
So let let that sink mm-hmm. in. 5% of the population, but over 50% of the kids in foster care. The residential schools didn't stop in 96. Mm. They just found a new way to make it happen. Yeah. And I think this is the, at least for me, this is the last thing I wanted to bring mm-hmm. up in terms of of another proof of kind of why we need to redesign Canada Day. Mm-hmm. Indigenous people have a really bad history with the RCMP, mm. which for those who don't know is the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Which is the they Canadian are kind of, of the FBI. Yeah. And they're the ones who also t- technically work with anyone outside of major cities. Yeah. So like all little towns, especially northern ca- northern northern yeah, the territory of anywhere. Yeah. The, not only the territories, but like northern Ontario and also uh, like northern Saskatchewan and like any place that is too small to have a citywide police service. That's where the RCMP yeah. goes. So yeah. towns or vi- cities, villages that are way too yeah. tiny, cottage yeah. country, for example. Yeah, they yeah. would have. Yeah, they would have. Basically, RCMP will like routinely check them out, and if something is wrong, the RC. RCMP are the ones that are called mm-hmm. in. Indigenous people have an incredibly terrible history mm-hmm. with the RCMP for multiple reasons. Yeah. First of all, Indigenous land is often on the outskirts of everywhere. Mm-hmm. So RCMP are the only police force that they're going to deal mm-hmm. with. Because they're they're likely not close enough for like an OPP. Yeah. Or, or like police service, yeah. Toronto police to be dealing with them. So that's recipe for disaster right there. Um, RCMP were originally the ones given the power to go and take the children from Indigenous communities. The RCMP were essentially the first police service in Canada. So before there was an OPP, before there was a Toronto police service, before Mm -hmm. Peel, before Saskatchewan, before any major city had a police service, there was the RCMP. And they were the ones tasked with taking the children by any means. They were the ones tasked with getting the res- the in native indigenous people off their land mm-hmm. when they were trying to reclaim, reclaim it. Yeah. If a colonist settled and an indigenous person came to try to take yeah. it back, the RCMP would be the ones who would use full force yeah. to remove that indigenous yeah. person. And to this day, they are still heavily, heavily influenced by those racist ideologies, mm-hmm. right? They haven't updated or adapted as much. And so they are still tasked with yeah. removing Indigenous people from places they're, quote, unquote, not supposed to be. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of roadblocks yeah. or um, protests, Indigenous protests. Yeah. Um, often they're broken up by the RCMP. Mm-hmm. Even when they're on sanctioned Indigenous yeah. land... You know, they're on reservation. The RCMP will still come in and break up, you know, protests and and even ceremonies, mm-hmm. sanctioned ceremonies. They will come in and just break it up for no reason. Mm-hmm. And they often use a lot of force. There's a lot of his. There's a lot of stories this time last year of elders being beaten by RCMP mm-hmm. for holding for holding ground and like trying to protest you know, different, like, the pipelines that try to go through Indigenous Mm -hmm. land or, you know, poisoned water. And so the RCMP is still used against Indigenous people 
in in a very what feels kind of like I don't know it's a psychology term that I'm not my brain is is fuzzy on but it's like let's use the thing these people are most scared of mm-hmm. against them in their weakest moment mm-hmm. because you know the RCMP is leaves a bad taste in indigenous people's yeah. mouth right and so it's little things like that that build up to all of this to to all of this realization that yeah Canada Day should not stand as it mm-hmm. is right now yeah there needs to be clean water on reservations especially if with things like the Indian Act they're forced to stay there if they want to keep their status yeah. you know there should be there should be a really deep discussion that I think you and I should have discussion on it mm-hmm. later like in another episode perhaps about crown land mm-hmm. And whether that should be ceded back to Indigenous people. Because we could have a whole other conversation about treaties. And the way that Indigenous people were tricked into signing over everything. Right? There's a big conversation about the Canadian governmental system. Is it outdated? Mm -hmm. Should it be changed? You know, there's a a lot of conversation about the truth and reconciliation. How can we celebrate Canada Day when maybe, maybe one of the 97 has been touched upon. Essentially what we're saying is, what is there to celebrate in Canada Day when we have done nothing to actually help our Indigenous Mm -hmm. brothers and sisters? What are we celebrating? Yeah. Right. And Because even if you discount that, we're celebrating... Their genocide. Their genocide and also the the fact that we turned away a lot of refugees after the war mm-hmm. at first mm-hmm. you know turned a lot of jewish people back to the nazis and we ended up kind of killing a whole lot of chinese immigrants to build the railway and japanese immigrants because they were japanese, and japanese immigrants simply because we were against them in the world war 2 yeah and so like there's a lot of this that you know, we need to discuss. Yeah. There's a lot of things in the Canadian closet that we need to bring to light mm-hmm. before we celebrate what all the good that we've done. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't act like everything that we have done that is so great, it's so honorable, if we don't reconcile the fact the fact we have done mm-hmm. terrible things. It's kind of mm-hmm. like what I said in an earlier episode, that a mm-hmm. person is neither all good nor all bad. We mm-hmm. have to come to terms with the fact that a good person who's done great things has also done and committed terrible atrocities. Mm-hmm. Canada has done wonderful things in terms of peacekeeping and in terms of immigration mm-hmm. and in terms of celebrating other people's cultures when they come to Canada. Mm-hmm. That being said, we have also done terrible things to our indigenous people. We have also done terrible mm-hmm. things to past immigrants, such as the Chinese, Mm -hmm. such as the Japanese, such as the Jewish community. We can't Mm -hmm. celebrate Canada as a whole until we actually acknowledge both the good, celebrate the good, but also uh, acknowledge and come to peace with the the bad. We have to correct that. Yeah. Yeah. We we have a lot that we need to improve. Mm -hmm. The Canada I'm proud of 
is the Canada that is going to move forward. Yes. Like, I, I truly believe that we can become the Canada that we, that always gets said that Canada is so nice and Canada is so good to people. Mm, and the peacekeeping the country. Nice country. Yeah. yeah. I absolutely believe that we can be that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm proud of the Canada that did save and has continued to open its arms to refugees. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not one of the Canadians who thinks that refugees are just given too many handouts while Canadians suffer. Yeah. Right? And so you can be proud of those things and acknowledge that we have so far to go. Yes. But the point of all of this conversation, all the conversation that everyone's asking for, the whole cancel Canada hashtag Oh, not cancel Canada. <laughs> cancel Canada Day hashtag is not because anybody expects Canada to hand everything over to Indigenous people, mm-hmm. kick out everybody who doesn't have any ties to Indigenous culture, and let Indigenous people start mm-hmm. over. That's not what's happening. It's physically impossible. First of all, like there's just no like the world. <laughs> Like, you you can't just, like, that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And also, it's just, it's not what's being asked for. Right? We're all asking for Canada to acknowledge its mistakes, to not just say sorry. Mm -hmm. You know, punching someone, saying sorry and punching (laughs) them again is not exactly showing that you understand the wrong. And move forward. Mm -hmm. And I think that's absolutely achievable. Mm -hmm. And not only achievable, but the bare minimum, to be honest. Mm. Exactly. So, we're not saying don't be proud of the things we have done right. And maybe privately celebrate the personal good Mm -hmm. that has been done for you. You know, if your parents were able to escape, you or your parents were able to escape a terrible situation and become permanent residents or citizens, celebrate that personally, because that is a good that needs to be celebrated for you. But also understand that if you want to take on this mantle of being Canadian, truly, we all need to work together for justice for the people who named our country. And the cultures that created our country mm-hmm. and died for our country. Mm-hmm. I guess for me, Emma, <laughs> you know, we'll see you next time. <laughs>